You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello and welcome back to another Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. As always, it is myself, Colin. On the show today, I'll be joined by Mike Huggenin of NFL.com, their college football 24-7 crew. DJ, another week off uh, this week. I uh, couldn't make it for the podcast, but I'm here to talk through some things. Uh, hopefully, you'll uh, not notice too much, but struggling here with a bit of a sore throat. The weather was very good in Ireland this week, and for some reason over the last few days, uh, I've come down with a little bit of a cold, so seem to be getting over it now and uh, probably going to the, the gym yesterday and going for a run today probably didn't help it but i'm trying to sweat it out a little bit so on today's show as i mentioned mike huggenin coming up in just a little moment and i'm going to talk all things nfl draft with him as we start the show as always thank you for listening hopefully you will enjoy hopefully you have been enjoying hopefully you've already hit that subscribe button on itunes stitcher tune in whatever you listen to the podcast on if you haven't please do go over hit that do give us a rating and a comment on whatever device or relevant format you are listening to on. And, of course, why not download on multiple devices, multiple formats? That's always going to uh, help here at the podcast. Our website, as always, is OvertimeIreland.com, and our partners, as we mentioned often on the show, are LastWordInSport.com. Check them out for all the sports that they cover. They really have you covered for all sports over there, and uh, lots of interesting stuff on there, too, coming up to the NFL draft. So check them out, LastWordInSport.com. Check out their Twitter handle as well. It's at LastWordInSport. So... You know, that's the little bits and pieces rambling out of the way. I'll be back to talk through some more NFL news after I get Mike on the show right now uh, to talk about the NFL draft. The OTI Red Zone, presented by OvertimeIreland.com. Joining me back on the podcast now is Mike Huggenin of NFL.com, also a college football 24-7 writer for them. He's a, a draft expert, I like to call him. Love getting his thoughts on all things NFL and of course the NFL draft which is coming up in less than one week now next Thursday 30th of April all kicks off for round one so Mike I'm sure there's a, a lot of stuff uh, being talked about over there at NFL.com in the last few days and the, the build-up to the draft oh yeah I think um, most of us though are uh, very much eagerly anticipating this thing be over with yeah, um, yeah. Um, there's a long build-up there's almost three separate and distinct NFL seasons now there's the preseason there's the regular season, and now there's the draft season because um, it's basically three months of uh, you know weighing guys, watching guys run, it's just a ton uh, of speculation about the, how good players are, where they're going to end up, who's going to get traded, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, personally, very much looking forward to this thing being over with. Yeah, and as you mentioned, last year was the first year that it changed to been such a drawn-out process. It was always a long process, but they added the extra time for the, the draft being in May, uh, or now the end of April. So that really did add a lot of extra to it. And I'm sure, as you mentioned at this stage, you're just waiting for next Thursday to come and get it done. Because I'm sure in the next week, there's going to be a lot of stuff talked about that is really going to be recycled. And uh, a lot of the stories now are just the same things coming out over and over again. The likes of Jameis Winston and the news story coming out about the, the crab legs that they were supposedly given to him by a person working at the store and that he didn't actually shoplift them and all. But stuff like that there is the... The sort of stuff that uh, I was listening to Daniel Jeremiah's podcast from NFL.com and he was saying that he knew this stuff months ago and you know he just couldn't put it out on his show but there's there's a lot of stuff like that there that doesn't actually get the whole way through to the the fan you know and certain people in the media can't report things because of of the the circumstances behind it I'm sure there's a lot more going on that uh, we're very very unaware of in this draft 
Oh yeah, I think we're going to hear stuff also after the fact. You know, like like you said, there'll be people saying, "Well, I knew uh, Team A was extremely interested in this guy because I was told this." That kind of stuff. I think one of the more interesting things lately has been uh, the injury to Shane Ray, the yeah. Missouri defensive end. He was hurt in the Citrus Bowl, uh, which was January first. Uh, missed the con- uh, well, attended the combine, but didn't work out because of the injury. Uh, worked out at Missouri's pro day. And then on one of his team visits, evidently one of the, the, the team he was visiting had issues with his foot. Um, and it comes out a couple weeks later, evidently that team was the Dallas Cowboys. Um, and now there's a ton of speculation about Ray. He, he went to a foot specialist who said, nope, you don't need surgery. But that was an independent foot specialist. And we all know if you're an NFL team or if you're a Major League Baseball team or an NBA team or an NHL team, or a uh, Premier League soccer team. Your doctor is the one that you listen to. So um, from what I've been told, Shane Ray is falling down almost every draft board. He has come off, supposedly, a few draft boards because there is a a great concern about his his foot, specifically, I guess, at the turf toe. Um, Some teams say, I don't care what the independent doctor says, he needs surgery. Um, If he doesn't have it, it's going to get worse. So that is one of the more interesting stories to me of the past month, and it's a legitimate because it's an injury-related issue that could cause Shane Ray, who was a lock first-rounder probably three weeks ago, to potentially slide completely out of the first round. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned there's rumors going around that it is turf toe. That would be something that would need surgery, and then he's struggling even as a rookie to, to be fit for uh, part of the season so it, it is a definite distinct concern and I think we will see him slide down the draft boards a little bit and you know it's it's interesting that these teams as we mentioned there the tests were done at all as um, meetings with teams I'm sure and uh, you know they just didn't there was no word came out about them but as the word comes out now there's no shock off him sliding down the board but if it hadn't come out after the draft people would be wondering why did this guy slide down the board so much so another one of those stories um, as well, you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, everyone's expecting them to take Winston with his pick. And, uh, you know, the the one question I'm wondering here, is there any possibility that they decide not to? I, I'm a big fan of Mike Lennon. I know he has a lot of things to work on. Came in in his rookie year and I thought he was quite good. Uh, do you think they're going to trade him away or do you think they're going to, you know, keep him just as a, a backup in case they take Winston and it just doesn't work out for them? That, that's an interesting question. I think they think Lennon has some value. Um I think they're going to try to trade him if they do grab Winston, and I'm 99.9 percent, as as with everybody else, pretty confident they're going to take Winston. Yeah. Uh, Glennon, you're right; he has some issues. Um, I think part of it, though, let's get serious. The Bucks' offensive line was atrocious. Yeah, I'm think, not sure. I think anyone put, was anyone was doing behind right, it. I think. Yeah, you could put Tom Brady back there. You could have put Joe Namath in his prime. You could have put John <laughs> United in his prime, and they would not have won games because they. They couldn't run block or yeah. pass block. So it's not all on Glennon. I think, obviously, Winston, if he reaches his ceiling, that's a vastly higher ceiling than Glennon. Can Glennon be an NFL quarterback? Yeah, he can be an NFL quarterback. He's shown that. I don't know if he can take a team to the playoffs. I think I tend to think of Mike Glennon more as a uh, sort of maybe a bridge starter. Yeah. Uh, maybe you know he's a guy who either comes in and, and bridges four or five injury games for somebody else, or he bridges a season as a team gets an, a rookie quarterback ready. But the Bucks, given the situation they're in, they, they don't have time to mess around with another quote unquote boss season. They have to 
they're going to, if they, they're taking Winston one, they're plugging him in. He's starting from game one unless he's hurt. So, um, but Glennon, yeah, I think the Bucks think he has some trade value. And I think there are some teams out there who look at Mike Glennon and say, yeah, he could probably be an upgrade over what we have. The uh, last year of the draft coming into this stage, we had, you know, the, the talk, everyone pre- presuming Winston is the number one overall pick. There was a lot of questions going on. Clowney, the number one overall pick, will Mac be the number one overall pick? That there, the Mac can I think picked up the week off the draft, but things like Manziel coming in, Teddy Bridgewater and his pro day, where would he go in the draft? Michael Sam was in the draft. There was so much talk last year and build up to the draft, but this year the stories are a little bit quieter and it doesn't seem to be getting as much as hype, but there's still some guys that I'm sure are going to be uh, overhyped and overrated in this draft as we try and bring people up to be at that level, so there's a lot of eyes on it on the day. So who do you think in this draft is uh, maybe we'll call it overhyped? Yeah, I think one of the overhyped guys is uh, Alvin Bud Dupree, the Kentucky defensive end slash outside linebacker. Um, I get the fact that he's a freakish athlete. He's six foot, six foot four, 269 pounds. Runs under 4'6", 42-inch vertical jump. 42-inch vertical jump for a guy who weighs 270, that, that, that should be illegal. <laughs> um, he's just a freakish athlete. Yeah. But I would argue that he's vastly, vastly, he's a long way from being a polished player. Now, it, the interesting thing about him, he had, people talk about him and his upside. Okay, He had seven and a half sacks last season at Kentucky, which was a pretty bad defense. It's a well-coached defense, but a bad defense nonetheless. Shane Ray played in the exact same division, the SEC East, as Bud Dupree. Basically played the same teams. Shane Ray had twice as many sacks as Bud Dupree. So the, the thought is, at the NFL level, okay, Bud Dupree's this great athlete. will mold him into this great football player. I'm not sure Bud Dupree can be a great football player because I'm not sure he has the necessary instincts. I think he can be a, a, a solid, complementary kind of guy. But the fact that he could go top 12 to me is, is laughable, frankly. I think um, Jordan Phillips, the Oklahoma defensive tackle, is a little bit overrated. Um, I think part of that, though, people forget he missed almost the entire 2013 season with a bad back that required surgery. Now, that would be another reason I'd be Larry or Jordan Phillips. Here's a guy who missed most of his sophomore season in college because he needed back surgery. Even when he's on the field, he wasn't that dominant. And the third guy I have questions about is Miami Philip Dorsett. Unbelievably great kid. Smart kid. Um, just a nice guy getting ready to graduate. He, he's taking classes during this entire run-up to the draft. Team visits going to class. So he, he's an impressive guy. I just wonder, okay, yes, he's extremely fast. He caught 121 passes in his career at Miami. 121. Amari yeah, Cooper, for instance, Called 124 in one season, and Miami's not a team that you know. Miami's a team that throws the ball around. Um, they had a NFL offensive coordinator for part of Dorsett's time, Jed Fish. Um, it was there at part of Dorsett's time. Now, again, Dorsett to me can only be a slot receiver, and I think that limits his um, value. Frankly, I mean, yes, he can get deep. Um, he did that at Miami last year, um, but. It's, Interestingly, he was not a, a huge deep threat in his first two years at Miami. So um, I, I, I see value for him as a slot guy. I just, you know, you're hearing things he could go late first, early second. I, I don't see that. Again, I like the guy personally, fantastic kid. I just am not sure he's going to be anything more than a number three receiver at best in the NFL. 
You mentioned there as well, Ken, you know, we called a, a workout warrior. Fantastic, freakish athletic ability, and then they try and mold them into an NFL player. We've seen on many, many occasions that that just doesn't work out. Maybe, we'll say maybe a third of the time it works out, but two out of three times it, it seems to fail miserably. So, you, them guys, if you're taking them high, maybe in the first round, that it, it all, always can backfire, and then you're, you're better to take the guy with a solid football foundation. But as you mentioned, a lot of times, you know, the floor versus the ceiling, those guys, the freakish athletes, they, they could project to having such a high ceiling that teams often just fall over themselves to, to get that pick in you mentioned obviously there are some of the overhyped guys and obviously when you have guys that are overhyped there's going to be guys that are overlooked or underhyped as well and I think you know we've seen in the last few draft classes that guys in the third fourth fifth round are coming in even as rookies and having a having a solid campaign in their rookie year so any guys you think could uh, fall into that mold this year yeah I, I think there, there's two guys who are going to go in the middle rounds who can be really solid NFL players if they go to the right team uh, one is Kansas linebacker Ben Heaney the other is USC running back Buck Allen. Buck Allen was extremely productive for the Trojans. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. Um, you know, people talk about he lacks top end speed. Uh, yeah, they're right, he does. But the fact that he's a three down back, uh, played in a pro set attack, um, to me gives, gives him added value. I think he's a physical runner. Um, and while he doesn't have top end speed, he, he does have some initial quickness. He can get through the line. The fact that he can catch the ball, I think, is obviously very, very good, too. Ben Heaney, um, you know, he's a guy who's six foot tall, and he's got short arms. Um, so what? <laughs> he played at Kansas. Kansas is horrible. Ben Heaney stood out for a horrible Kansas team. Yeah. He also stood out in a league, the Big 12, that features six offenses that finish in the top 25 in the nation. The Big 12 has great offense. So Ben Heaney was on the field for three downs against high-powered offenses, and he had more than 100 tackles in each of his last two seasons. Ben Heaney makes up for some of his shortcomings. He's a lot faster than you think. He has tremendous instincts, very high football IQ, takes great angles, um, understands the game. And again, I think if he goes to the right team, he can be a productive NFL player for five, six, seven seasons and be a guy who can start even though you get him in the third or fourth round, or actually probably fourth or fifth round. And the last guy I want to mention is Florida State cornerback P.J. Williams. P.J. Williams had the DUI recently. That's going to slide him down some draft boards. Um, and he did not run all that well at the combine. He ran a four, five, six, which is death for a cornerback. But he, on tape, though, he's not that slow. Plus, he ran a four, four, three at FSU's Pro Day which is more in line with where he generally had tested in the low four force. He's also six foot, 200 pounds. He's a big guy who loves to play press man, plays with a swagger, um, is, is um, fearless when going against top-level receivers. Now, he had a good game against Miami. He got torched by Devontae Parker when they played LSU. Um, but the thing about the, the Louisville game, he made some plays in the second half which which helped keep Louisville from adding to its lead. So, you know, he's got that, I got burned, but I don't even remember that kind of mentality, which is a good thing to have for a corner. But I think P.J. Williams is going to go second or third round, but he's going to prove to be a first-round talent who is going to end up providing great value because he went later than he should. 
Yeah, and most of the running backs in any draft class or even in the NFL, a lot of the things we hear is they don't have that top-end speed. You know, a lot of the guys coming in with the top-end speed, they can't hit the hole and they're running over and back laterally behind the line. So, you know, we see guys like Frank Gore who's still going. I'm sure if he was running a 40 right now, I'd say he'd be struggling to break under five maybe, but when you give him the ball, he still gets the job done. So it's it's interesting. Now, the other running back I want to talk about is Todd Gurley, and I've I've heard a lot about him over the last, say, over the last couple of months, but really in the last two or three weeks. And the hype that we talked about overhyped, and I'm just wondering, is he starting to get overhyped or is he as good as the hype? could be coming into the NFL could he be the best that we've seen maybe coming in since Adrian Peterson yeah I saw one uh, analyst say that and to me Todd Gurley lives is worth the hype right. here's a guy who tore he tore his ACL in November and is still going to be the first running back drafted and that I think shows that NFL teams really like this guy now yes Gurley tore his ACL and in his first two seasons at Georgia, he never played a full season because he was banged up a little bit. Nick's, nothing serious, but still he was hurt. So you wonder about his durability. That said, here's a guy who played at 232 pounds at Georgia. People forget, when he was in high school, he was a nationally ranked hurdler, as in he went to international events right. as a 215-pound high schooler. <laughs> so the, 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 the dude is big. He's extremely quick. And he's also extremely fast in a straight line. All I got to do is watch the kickoff return against Clemson last year in the opening game. He was down the field in like a blink of an eye. And Clemson's got a lot of fast guys. They didn't even touch him. So Gurley also is a well-rounded running back. He's got really good hands. He understands pass routes. He played in a quasi-pro set attack at Georgia, so he was asked to do a lot of different things. He is an effective pass blocker in the backfield. He's not great but he knows what he's doing. Um, and that, I think, gives him the advantage over Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon, I'm not sure Melvin Gordon can catch. I'm not sure Melvin Gordon can pass protect. Now, to Melvin Gordon's credit, he wasn't really asked to do those things at Wisconsin. Wisconsin doesn't want its running backs messing around blocking. They don't want their running backs messing around, catching the ball. They just hand the ball off and let them go. But Gurley is better rounded. Um, will he be 100% first day of the season? I don't see how he could be, considering he tore his knee in late November. That said, you're drafting Gurley to be a six or seven year starting running back. I think he's the guy who can be a, you know, six or seven time uh, Pro Bowler, a three or four time All Pro. You know, maybe last ten or eleven years and, and get you a, a lot of thousand yard seasons. I think Todd Gurley definitely is going to live up to the pre-draft hype. Uh, do you think we haven't had a, a first round run back in a couple of years? Do you think he goes in the first round, uh, maybe late first oh, yeah. round? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I think he and Gordon are both going to go in the first round. Yeah, there hasn't been a running back in either of the past two first rounds. And that's the first time since the draft started in 1936 that two drafts have passed without a first round running back. That's going to change this year. And I think it, the interesting thing about running back, it's sort of like inside linebacker. They've been devalued in the draft, but the good teams on the field on Sundays have really good players at both those positions. So I think in short, you want to find a star running back and you want to find a star inside linebacker. You just don't want to draft them in the first round. So, you know, DeMarco Murray was, um, I'm sorry, LaShawn McCord was not a first round. Um, DeMarco Murray was not a first rounder. So, you know, Alfred Morris was not a first round. He was a sixth rounder. So I think teams, would prefer to find back in, you know, second, third, fourth round, but this year I think there's going to be two in the first round, and I think there could be as many as five 
in the second round. This is a really good draft for running backs, and the whole idea that running backs have been devalued in the draft, I think is going to go away for at least one year because there's going to be a lot taken early this year. Yeah, two years ago was the start of that with the no running back in the first round, and the first couple of running backs taken that year were uh, Eddie Lacy, Le'Veon Bell, and uh, Giovanni Bernard. So they were all second second round that year, and they were quite good. But I think, as you mentioned, we're going to see these guys pushed up a little bit, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Gurley once he gets on the field because uh, the hype at the moment, obviously, he's coming off the injury, but he, you know, there's there's talk of him being one of the best running backs coming out off college in the last say ten years. So. Looking forward to the draft next week, seeing where all these players add up, and I'm sure there'll be some excitement. Probably there might be a few trades. The the last question I have you is on uh, on a on a possible trade. Everyone says then we have got uh, Winston number one overall, and we're going. A lot of people saying Mariota is definitely going to go as the second pick, but a lot of people saying then that they don't see the Titans maybe taking him. So do you think that the Titans are going to trade trade out of that second spot, or do you think? They'll just go a different direction altogether. Maybe take one of these defensive players with that second overall pick. Yeah, you know, every draft has a tipping point, and this year it's going to be the second pick. What is what is going to see you? I cannot believe the Titans think that Mettenberger is a playoff quarterback. Um, that that's said, a, that second pick this um, year is definitely going to, you know, a lot of mock drafts done. That second pick, I'll just put all those mock drafts out the window, probably. Yeah, and that's, the question is: Do the Titans take Mariota? Do they take Leonard Williams? Do they trade? Um, I'm not sure. Marcus Mariota is not NFL ready. He is not going to be able to play from day one or play effectively from yeah. day one. And I'm not sure he, frankly, fits what Ken Wisenhunt wants from his quarterback. So if I were the Titans, I'd stay there and draft Leonard Williams. I think there's a great possibility that they trade the pick to someone who wants Mariota. But obviously that's going to shape the entire draft, what the Titans do with that number two. Again, I think it all goes back to how comfortable are they with Zach Mettenberger I cannot believe they're comfortable with Mettenberger. Do they really believe, though, that Mariota is a playoff quarterback? If they think that, they'll take him. If they don't, they'll either take Leonard Williams, who I think is the best player in this draft, or they'll trade it. And the team they trade it to, obviously, uh, is going to be extremely interesting. I think, though, that the Redskins and what has happened with Robert Griffin has sort of uh, made teams sit back a little bit and ponder, do we really want to mortgage our future on a quarterback who is not NFL-ready. Um, and Marcus Mariota is not NFL-ready. He does not. He has not taken snaps from under center. He has not huddled up. He has not called plays. He has never called an audible. That's a lot of stuff yeah. he's going to have to learn to do on the fly in the NFL. He's going to have a learning curve. I guess the question is, does the learning curve take him off the edge of the cliff, or does the learning curve take him and drop him onto a, a six-lane highway where he can go 90 miles an hour? So... I think there are some teams out there that really love Mariota. I think there's a handful of teams that want nothing to do with Mariota. Yeah, and you mentioned there the RG3 trade. I think a lot of teams, anyone that is thinking about trading up, that's what they're going to be thinking about. And I don't think there'll be exactly. ever, ever as much offered again as what was offered right. that time. As always, Mike, thanks for coming on and talk to us. Uh, anyone that's listening, check him out on Twitter. It's at Mike Huggenin. You find all his work on NFL.com. And during the college season as well, he'll be covering all that there. And I'm sure he's looking forward to the, the draft process being over until it all starts again next year. As always, Mike, it's been a pleasure. And uh, hopefully you'll enjoy the draft. Yep, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Hi, this is Harry Carson, former New York Giant and Pro Football Hall of Famer. You're listening to Overtime Ireland. As always, thanks to Mike for coming on the show. Really enjoyed getting some of his thoughts on the NFL draft coming up in just over a week, as I mentioned, or just under a week, sorry, as I mentioned. Tripping over my words a little bit here, and uh, 
Mike is on Twitter, as I mentioned, it's Mike Huggin, and that is H-U-G-U-E-N-I-N, and uh, always good to get his thoughts on all things NFL, and of course, coming up to the draft, uh, he really knows his college football. Little bits and pieces of news coming out over the last few weeks, so we're talking their draft, I'm very interested in some of the rumours coming out at the moment, and uh, will the Browns trade up, they have two first round picks, will they go up, try and get a quarterback, will they stay where they are, fill in other needs that they do have, because no question about it, they do have needs on both sides of the ball, going to be missing Josh Gordon for this upcoming season along with some players they lost in free agency and so on and so forth will Johnny Manziel go in and play a quarterback they did take in Josh McCowan this off season so it's going to be interesting to see how things shape up for them in the next few weeks the Titans do they stick at number two do they trade down lots of talk about Philip Rivers in the last few weeks will he end up with the Tennessee Titans a lot of stuff has to happen for all that to go down but it's going to be very very interesting and maybe who knows maybe there's a, a spanner in the works from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, maybe they throw a huge, huge curveball at this late, late stage and go a different direction, but I really can't see that happening. The only thing I could see possibly happen is somebody gives them a King's Ransom trades up to that number one overall pick, but the amount that would have to be given up at this stage, I think uh, it'd be too much for any team unless they see Jameis Winston or Marcus Mariota as the, the future of their franchise, and I think the only one that they're going to trade up for at the moment would be Winston, so... Very, very interesting scenarios then with that second pick, as I mentioned with Mike. What happens if it's traded from the Titans? Who takes it? Who picks, say, Mariota at quarterback? And then where does the draft board fall after that? It's going to be it's going to be interesting. Them first two picks in particular, but from three onwards, it's going to be very, very fascinating next Thursday night. And I'm sure there'll be lots of you staying up here in the UK late into the night to see who your team picks in that first round. And uh, all the ones stateside will be enjoying it as well as i'm very very sure peterson adrian peterson of course where does he go does he stay with the vikings at this stage it's looking like he possibly will stay with the vikings but lots of stuff going on his agent tweeting out a picture of him wearing a tampa bay buccaneers hat that is the agent of course not not adrian peterson with a peterson jersey in the background and maybe it's just to try and stir up some debate and try and see if they can get peterson a little bit more money in minnesota i think at the end of the day that's probably what it's going to come down to probably get a little bit more money but you know he got paid for last season he's back in the league now didn't really lose all that much apart from playing time so we're going to see we're going to see what happens and the the next week or so is going to be fascinated from all these stories around it whether they're media driven whether there is some you know possible fact behind them and these things will happen we'll see we'll see what happens but it definitely does add to the buzz around the nfl draft ray farmers come out and denied uh, they had possibly tried to trade Johnny Manziel to the Philadelphia Eagles and uh, you know Johnny Manziel has had his issues he's been in rehab all off season he is out now so he's going to be trying to get focused but he has a lot of work to do before any team starts looking for him I think I know there's always been that link that maybe Chip Kelly wants that mobile quarterback but I think Chip Kelly wants uh, somebody who can stay out of trouble off the field and we've seen that and you know if you don't buy into Chip's uh, mind frame you know what he wants from the team is just going to move you on we've seen Deshaun Jackson moved on we've seen LeSean McCoy moved on whether LeSean McCoy didn't buy in that's uh, another story but it did seem that Deshaun Jackson just didn't buy in fully to it and they have been moved on so it's going to be interesting as well the Eagles there'll be a lot of moves made in this draft with Chip Kelly as I mentioned having you know responsibility over player personnel and the picks and what goes on last year he didn't have as much power so looking forward to seeing how the Eagles go and speaking of the Eagles since uh, our last podcast we had Tim Tebow has signed with the Philadelphia Eagles whether he makes the you know that their last uh, roster at the end after all the cuts remains to be seen but lots of different scenarios and that the people are talking about why he was brought in there has been talk that his mechanics have improved quite a, a large amount since they seen him last year when they done a sorry not last year two years ago when they done a scrimmage training in 
the preseason with the Patriots and uh, thought that he looked a lot better. So we're going to see there how true that is and you know how he can do it. There's always been the talk that uh, Tim Tebow hasn't been great in training or in practice, but uh, we'll see that if he can make this roster now in, in the coming weeks and months as things develop. We'll see how they go in the draft as well. But, you know, Sam Bradford is taking in. A lot of people thought it was going to be for a trade bit to get draft picks to trade up for Mariota. Well, I think that that there seems to have died down just a little bit. Next up in the news, and it's the Dallas Cowboys, Greg Hardy. 10-game suspension for him after the whole scenario that went down last offseason. Obviously, it was going to court. He hasn't been found guilty in court, but the way things have gone, no uh, no <laughs> statement of that from his girlfriend, so his ex-girlfriend now that uh, was involved in this one, he threw her onto a bed with uh, semi-automatic or automatic rifles and guns that, uh, you know, there was a lot going on at the time. With the likes of Adrian Peterson's case, with the likes of Ray Rice and so on and so forth, the league coming down very, very hard on him. 10-game suspension, I'm sure it's going to be appealed, probably end up maybe at a 6-game mark where the Cowboys, it has been rumoured, thought that it would be, and they have signed him to a kind of team-friendly deal where it's per game roster bonuses rather than a set salary for the whole year. So they're covered in that there situation. If he doesn't play at all for them, they don't really owe him anything. So we'll see what happens there. No doubt about it, a very, very good football player, but uh, off the field definitely has his issues, and we'll, we'll see what happens with the NFL really starting to clamp down on domestic violence and any sort of off-the-field activity like this here. Uh, really in any sort of form of uh, life is, is not uh, to be tolerated. So... We'll see when he ends up back on the field. I think it could be that he has only played one game in the last two years. By the time if this 10-game suspension is upheld, it'll be quite a time off the field for Greg Hardy. But on his day, we'll be hoping to get him back as soon as possible. Speaking of the Dallas Cowboys, Tony Romo very confident in next season. He's already said that he thinks the, the Dallas Cowboys are going to win a Super Bowl. So, you know, with or without Greg Hardy for those first 10 games, Tony Romo seems very, very confident. They've obviously lost to Marco Murray to the Philadelphia Eagles this offseason. But, you know, Tony Romo sees uh, glory ahead. And I suppose if they, they continue on the improvement that they made last year, although they, as I mentioned, have lost the likes of DeMarco Murray, I think they're going to they're gonna have a good run at it and we'll see how they go. But obviously... Let's concentrate on your division and so on for us before going to the Super Bowl. But at this time of the year, uh, all fans, I'm sure, are trying to look at ways that their team can make it all the way to the big game and uh, see if they can get a ring. We've seen the Patriots doing it last year, so it's going to be going to be tough for every team. But everyone at this stage, the records are all zero and zero, so we all have opportunities to to call on our team. The schedule was released in the last week. It's something that uh, you know a lot of people were excited about. It's not something that excites me all that much, to be honest. Uh, looked at it when it came out. You already know the fixtures that are going to happen you know when they're home when they're away the only thing you don't know is exactly the date they're going to be on and what stage of the season so maybe you get a four game stretch at the start where the teams that you're playing you think oh we could knock them down and get a win there get a win there get a win there and start off maybe three and one four and oh team gets confident and they start playing along whereas if you get a tough road schedule i've seen a lot of steelers fans talking about the their schedule and you know you go out and you had a, a few tough games and possibly start off the season one and four or sort of thing like that there it can be very very tough to recover your season after that but you know you know who you're going to play the the fixtures are lined up and hopefully your team come the start of the season is good enough to go on that run usually if you have a tough start to the season you might have a little bit more favorable middle or end but We'll, we'll see how things go. Go out and beat the better teams in the season and then maybe uh, you beat them early in the year and you're really on on a real, real strong run then heading into mid-season or towards the end of the season. So not something, as I mentioned, that I get all that excited about, but uh, it's out there now. Anyone, you know, obviously you get excited if you're a season ticket holder, if you're heading to the games and so on and so forth. You want to know when the games are on so you can book your time off work or 
them sort of things. So anyone hopefully that was excited for those purposes has got all that sorted out and is really looking forward to getting down to do some tailgating at some of the games in the NFL this season. I mentioned the Patriots winning the Super Bowl last year and they met up with President Barack Obama at the White House. Obviously uh, something nice for the Patriots fans out there to see and Obama obviously with a, a couple of deflated ball jokes and so on and so forth which I'm sure they didn't go all that well down with uh, the likes of um, Robert Kraft and uh, Bill Belichick and uh, we'll, see, we'll see if there's any any comments coming out of what way that was handled in the in the next few weeks. But uh, obviously the, the Super Bowl champions each and every year get to go but Tom Brady did miss out with a, a previously scheduled family outing but really um, outside of that I don't think there's a lot of other news coming out this week. There's the likes of Michael Crabtree saying he has a lot to prove with the Raiders. Don't think that surprises anyone. He's on a one-year deal there and he's, he's going to be looking for a longer-term contract so he's hoping to have a big year this season. And really that is all the NFL news. Since we last talked I think I've covered a good few of the different bits and pieces there. So we'll have a new podcast out hopefully next week before the NFL draft and uh, we'll keep stay tuned to at Overtime Ireland to get all the info on when the, it is coming up at the moment. I'm unsure as to what day it will be coming out. The draft course, as I mentioned previously, is next Thursday night. Coming from Chicago in the middle of the USA and uh, this will be the first year since Chicago rather than New York City. So maybe we'll see a little bit different atmosphere at it. It'll be interesting to see that as well on the TV. This past weekend, I mentioned last week that the uh, first game of competitive American football was taking place for the Donegal Derry Vipers. Unfortunately, we did receive a little bit of a wipeout from the Belfast Trojans. The Trojans have been at this for the last number of years. It was their second string, but their uh, first string have won the last two seasons of the Shamrock Bowl, which is like the, the equivalent of the Super Bowl, we'll call it here in Ireland. Very, very competitive team. These guys are looking for first team spots. So we're uh, a developing team and uh, we got a bit of a beating, but playing them again in three weeks up in Belfast and hopefully we'll uh, get a few more points on the board and uh, a better score. But really, really enjoyed it. Covered uh, pretty much from head to toe in bruises. A couple of the guys there got quite uh, nasty injuries, a couple of ACLs and that that got damaged. So get well soon to those guys in, in our team and uh, any other guys as well with a, lot of, a couple of broken bones as well and hands and so on. Hopefully they're all back on the field uh, in the very near future but I'm looking forward to that next game we're, we're training hard and uh, anyone in the Belfast area come three weeks I'm sure I'll be plugging it again uh, head up and uh, get to see us play a little bit of until I'm back with the next show as always I've been Colm and uh, thank you for listening hopefully you've enjoyed and uh, until next time have a good one thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.